Great to welcome to Local News Live for the first time, Katie Kaplan. You're an anchor and reporter at WCTV in Tallahassee, Florida. You've got a new series you're working on, and this is super fascinating and something I think a lot of people are really fascinated uh, about and interested in. It's called Unsolved, and it's about unsolved cold cases. Uh, what have you learned that stood out the most to you during your investigative reporting on this? Well, I have to be honest with you. Um, it's something that also really motivates me to keep going because there are a lot to take on. It's the families and what the mm. families have been living through. The series focuses on missing persons and cold cases. And a lot of times these families uh, don't even know how their loved one uh, died if it's a murder. Uh, they don't know, you know, what the last kind of hours or moments of their loved one's life was like because it's part of an ongoing investigation. Um, and when somebody's missing, I mean, we can all imagine just how horrible that would be, you know, really a never ending nightmare. So um, when I'm speaking with them, I can almost kind of feel their pain. It really helps you to empathize. And that's really what I think is the most um, propelling thing to keep me going. But also what, uh, you know, I've really learned about just what some people are going through. Is there a case or two that has stood out to you the most? You know, I just finished uh, an in-depth, it was a two-part, 10-minute series on Allie Gilmore. She was a 30-year-old woman who really seemed to be doing a lot of things right, and she just vanished in the middle of the night. Her family described it as, you know, an alien came down 15 years ago and just picked her up off the earth, and there's been no sign of her since. Um, there were no signs of foul play. Nothing was amiss in her house where she vanished from. Um, and that case to me really resonated. And it sounds like this is a great opportunity to try to shed light on cases, obviously, that haven't been looked at for a number of years and maybe even help crack a few uh, if it gets to that point. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if we could help solve or help to motivate somebody that knows something to come forward to get some closure for these families, that would be the ultimate goal. Um, but another kind of parallel track is also just to keep these victims and these missing persons on the minds of the public, because obviously news can change so fast and, uh, you know, different headlines pop up all the time, especially now with social media. Uh, so to really just keep the victims and the missing persons on the forefront. Um, and also, you know, with the changes in technology, with the updates that can be made with DNA testing or forensics testing, you just never know what, you know, might be able to be shaken loose if you're kind of shaking the tree. A lot of people are very interested in the technological side of, of this. DNA testing is certainly something where scientists have really made advancements. Is there another piece of technology or maybe a couple pieces that have really advanced over the past five or 10 years you're finding that might be able to help out and solve one of these cases? I think a big thing is all the data that's uh, inside our phones now, right? I mean, it's not just the phone towers, but Google is marking where you're going, where you're logging in from. So if you have Google signed on your phone, you don't even have to be in the Google app per se for them to know where you were last pinpointed. So with Kelly Brannon, that was one thing with them. They knew that her phone had hit in the middle of town shortly after she was last heard from. So uh, items like that are definitely advancements that weren't around, say, 15 years ago when Allie Gilmore went missing. Yeah, you mentioned Kelly. What is the most high-profile case that you've got on, on your plate right now? Right now, uh, it's the one we just wrapped up, the Allie Gilmore case. That was picked up by Montel Williams, Nancy Grace. It was mentioned in Dateline, so it had some of those national headlines that we're kind of seeing uh, 
with the uh, Brian Laundrie, Gabby Petito case, right? Uh, so that's probably the most high profile one, but so much time has passed that uh, it's fell to the wayside. Sometimes people don't even remember it. You can't really even find those uh, episodes online anymore. Uh, so while that might be the most high profile case in Tallahassee, it's not necessarily on the minds of people nationwide, which I think is just another reason highlighting why it's so important to do a series like this. Sure. And I'm sure the families also are, are very thankful for all the work that you're doing. Are there any trends or any commonalities in these cases? Commonality that I find interesting is that it's not always what you think it is, right? There could be uh, somebody that looks really guilty. Say, for instance, Allie Gilmore's estranged husband. She's the, the gal that I mentioned. She was 30 years old. She went missing in 2006. Um, and she was estranged from her husband, and they both didn't show up for their uh, counseling session the day after she went missing. So there was a lot of speculation around that time that was all pointed at him, although police were pretty quick to say, no, we don't believe he had anything to do with it, and they still maintain that. And they've since come forward, and that was uh, really the highlight in part of uh, the story I did with this new information and this new person of interest that had never been before been made public. What kind of drew you to this? Obviously, there's a renewed interest, it seems like. A lot of the podcast world now is kind of uh, dedicated to these cold cases, but what drew you to want to go into this? Sure. Um, I've always been interested uh, in, in news. Let's just say I'm a news junkie, but I always watch Datelines, and um, being a breaking news reporter over the past kind of eight or nine years in my career and being out there and seeing what's going on kind of in the real world, so to speak, and also how important it is as a reporter to be there on the front lines, because you might not always have that transparency from law enforcement agencies, unfortunately, if you're not there witnessing things uh, with your own eyes. Um, it just kind of drew me to it. And, and then talking to families of people that have been murdered um, and seeing the pain they're going through and learning, as I had mentioned before, about just uh, the answers that they, they don't get sometimes when their cases go unsolved for years and years and years. It really just drew me to be very passionate about it because I think it's something that people need to understand, right? That there are people out there who are living with these horrible things that have happened to them or their loved ones, but that there's also a lot of people out on the streets that have hurt someone or possibly murdered someone. And that's truly something that um, has really been eye-opening, but that's why I'm really passionate about it. And that's what drew me to it. And I just want to mention, you had mentioned a lot of podcasts and there is a huge kind of web sleuth, true crime community that's out there and they might have the best intentions, but that really has created an issue for law enforcement agencies because they have to follow up on leads, right? Any kind of reputable lead they get, they have an oath that they need to go kind of down that path. And sometimes uh, some of these web sleuths or these people that are kind of these armchair quarterbacks that are at mm -hmm. home behind a keyboard trying to solve it, come up with these outlandish or disconnected kind of theories and they call things in and sometimes it can create kind of an issue and that's another trend that I've really been hearing a lot from the different agencies that I've been able to sit down with just kind of an interesting um, trend that's going on right now in society really. No that's really fascinating. Katie just a few more questions for you and I'll, I'll go off of that. How do you as a reporter work your way through all of that muck and some of the, some of the false alarms that you have to deal with and law enforcement has to deal with? Well, you know, we, uh, you know, have a, a, a morality kind of in our industry that, that we might 
know things or have speculation, but we can't present any information to the public, right, that we don't really have verified from a credible source or from an official source that's saying something um, or that we haven't seen with our own eyes or read in the research. So um, first and foremost, sometimes there is a lot of information that doesn't get put into the stories because it can't be verified. Um, it's not completely credible, um, so on and so forth. But um, I think when I approach the story, I kind of gather all of uh, the information that I can. That's a lot of hours on the computer digging through kind of official records, a lot of FOIA, Freedom of Information Act requests put into law enforcement agencies, gathering, reading through incident reports and, you know, the reports that are written right there at the scene from the officer that was there. And then uh, kind of pe peeling away those layers little by little and uh, reaching out, you know, to the family. And a lot of times, too, it's just listening in these interviews that can give you a little nugget and a little direction to kind of go off and, um, and, and pursue. And that's what really makes a story come alive and resonate with people at home who are watching. I wanted to ask about the family so that you, that you talk to. Um, what do they say when you talk to them? You, you, you've mentioned a couple of times that it's obviously an emotional process for them. Right. Um, one common thread that I get from almost every single family is uh, gratitude. They are so grateful that somebody is remembering, and I have goosebumps right now, remembering the person that they loved and wants to keep talking about this person whose life was cut short, you know, whether they're missing or they were murdered. Um, and that's, that's truly it. And they, it, it's so much love that comes out in these interviews. And I spent, often interview them you know, for hours because when people are emotionally invested, it's not just a quick, let's sit down for 10 minutes and talk real fast. It's almost like a therapy session. Um, but I'm always inspired because they're so grateful for the coverage, for the renewed interest, uh, for that hope that they might get some sort of closure. Well, Candy, remind us, it's called Unsolved. How often does it come out? Uh, when does it come out? And where can people find this reporting? Sure, it's called Unsolved. Um, we try to do it about every six weeks. We've done um, about five different cases so far. I'm already working on the next case, which is our first one in South Georgia. People can view it um, you know, online. They can also find me on uh, social media, and I often share uh, even some extra tidbits that maybe don't make it into the story, extra sound bites from the family. Um, we have the whole interview with Ellie Gilmore's estranged husband that's going to be going up in the article. Um, so wctv.tv forward slash unsolved um, or Katie Kaplan TV on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter as well. Katie Kaplan, Anchor Reporter, WCTV, Tallahassee, Florida. Thanks for joining us.